The information provided in this podcast episode is for educational and entertainment purposes only and is in no way a replacement for a therapeutic relationship with a licensed mental health professional. Debbie L. London was born and raised in Atlanta, Georgia. Over the years, Debbie has consistently maintained an innate passion to help others with a specific focus on spiritual and emotional healing. Transforming with transparency is her tagline because she helps others through being open and honest about her own experiences. She is the author of two books. Her first book, a self-help book, is Residue, Surviving and Overcoming the Stains of Generational Curses and Soul Ties. Her second book is Your Facade is Showing, a divorcee's perspective on accepting relationship red flags the first time. Family, let's welcome Debbie L. London to the Minding My Black Business Podcast. Welcome to Minding My Black Business. All right, family, I am so excited about our guest today. We have quite a treat. Um, I am looking forward to having this conversation with her because I feel like not only will you learn some things, I'll learn some things, um, and we'll all sort of walk away from this experience feeling like we we gathered some tools that we can move on with our happy lives. <laughs> so before <laughs> I get into all that, let me welcome Debbie London to the Minding My Black Business Podcast. So welcome. Hello, everyone. Thank you so, so, so very much for having me. Excuse my raspy voice. (laughs) I don't, it normally doesn't sound like this, but I am so happy to be here. And thank you for having me on your show. I truly, truly appreciate this. Well, I'm so excited for you to be here. So thank you for accepting the invitation. Um, And so before we get into all my questions, can you introduce yourself to the family and then let them know where they can find you? Absolutely. My name is Debbie L. London. I am an author and a speaker and what I like to call an affirmations aficionado because I absolutely believe that speaking over our lives is super duper important Um, and doing so in a positive way. Um, You can find me on my website, DebbieLLondon.com. That's D-E-B-B-I-E-L-L-O-N. Um, and I just make it super easy for you because everywhere else, Instagram being my favorite, um, at Debbie L. London. All right. Perfect. 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 And so in looking at all the different hats you wear in terms of um, author, motivational speaker, one of the things that stood out to me, and that's primarily because that's something that um, sort of percolates to, to what I do, is that you have a background in counseling. And so mm-hmm. I was curious, like, how do you think your counseling background helps you in your, in your business and what you, what you do? Well, it definitely helps me, has helped me with connecting to people mm-hmm. and understanding the deeper side of what's going on. Um, like I had a situation just this past weekend where um, I had to have a conversation with someone but then after having the first part of that conversation, step back. Okay, there, there's possibly something else here. 
and something else. So it, it, it gives me the ability to put myself aside to see what's really going on with the other person, which causes that connection to thrive and also assist them with getting the breakthrough that they need. So definitely that, just seeing the bigger picture, <laughs> seeing the bigger picture and everything. Right. Yeah. That's a good, yeah. I like how you phrased that. So, <laughs> <laughs> so you are a two-time author and uh, oh, yeah. yeah, congratulations on that. How fantastic. <laughs> and could you share with us about your books, um, Residue and your facade is showing? Oh, Residue. Residue is my first baby <laughs> and um, the subtitle is surviving overcoming the stains of generational curses and soul ties and this is pretty much a book well both of my books are self-help books but not the traditional kind of self-help books because i'm pretty much taking you on my healing journey and by being transparent about everything that i've experienced and the lessons i've learned it's kind of like giving you that high I hear, don't do what I did, or this is what I learned from this, just to help you skip some steps, <laughs> if you so choose. I don't believe in telling people what to do, but I do believe in, like, hey, here are the nuggets, take what you will, and apply it, you know, as you deem necessary. Um, when, you know, because we have a lot of gurus out there, so to uh -huh, speak, uh -huh. and I, I don't even like the word guru at all, and, and I just see myself as that good girlfriend. It's like, hey, uh -huh. I'm putting this out here for you. You take what you want from it. You know, what does that mean? Say, uh, you got to end it with, but I don't know. <laughs> After you say it, but I don't know. <laughs> like, right. I'm not going to be responsible, but, you know, here, it, here are the facts. And um, when I look back, I feel like hindsight is absolute 2020. And if I can help prevent somebody from making the same mistake, that I have made or help them come to their re realization and breakthrough much sooner and quicker. Mm -hmm. That is what my books are here to do. Mm -hmm. And um, with my first book, Residue, which was, which is about generational curses and soul ties, had a ton of issues in my family that affected everything about me, mm -hmm. my very being. And I grew up a very angry woman and I did not understand why. And I know we hear that a lot in our community. Oh, you're just angry but it's like there was a reason for that uh -huh. and um after witnessing so much sexual physical verbal mental emotional abuse of all kinds uh -huh. growing up it shaped me and it's interesting because I didn't even get what I feel is the huge brunt of that abuse as other people in my family did. But what I did receive just the tearing down mentally, which is why affirmations are important to me, the speaking over my life, because I've had to undo mm -hmm. all of the negative voices that planted themselves mentally. So anyways, in my first book, Residue, I take you through what that looked like and i take you through my family's lineage of issues as well and just to show you how it all connects and the things that we tend to overlook about ourselves or that we've embraced as normal and they're negative things mm -hmm. it's like there's a root to that and i just want to encourage my readers like it's time to uproot that stuff so that you can move forward with your life in a very healthy way because it's actually not normal and it doesn't always have to be anything super traumatic yeah. at all it could be that you beat yourself up all the time. Mm -hmm. 
mm-hmm. or you don't you don't give yourself enough credit so you feel like you're never good enough that is a generational issue i've seen that in my family where it's passed down from one person to the next to be afraid to take a leap to be afraid to step out and do what it is. Or it could be as extreme as, you know, you've been physically and sexually abused. So you continue to gravitate toward those types who abuse you. And in this book, it just, it really, really hones in on the generational part. And it helps you identify, okay, I didn't realize, but this is, I need to be the one to break the link for me and my family and my future children or the children that I have now. Mm-hmm. And um, also the soul tie piece, because generational curses and soul ties go hand in hand. Um, because in an effort to get away from your generational issues, mm-hmm. you end up with somebody <laughs> that, mm-hmm. you know, you didn't realize that they had all this stuff spiritually going on. And now you've right. joined forces with somebody and you've added another link to your generational stuff while also getting a soul tie. I mean, it's just layers to this it's layers but pretty much that's what that book is about and your facade is showing it's funny um even though this is only my second book god he always gives me the title of the next book before i finish the second one so like my third one i already know what that's going to be about before i finish resident Mm -hmm. he just woke me up out of my sleep and said write this down and he had me write down your facade is showing and i'm like oh lord what is that what is that about? Mm-hmm. Well, he let me know last year what mm. it's about. And I was like, no, sir. <laughs> and the subtitle to your facade is showing is a divorcee's perspective of accepting relationship red flags the first time. And it is so funny to me at this point because I'm like, he had me write down this title. And I am in my mind happily married. All is well. I have my two beautiful babies and we're good to go. And the following year, it's like, yeah, you're, you're going to write a relationship book. How about that? And that is yeah. one thing I never wanted to write about at wow. all because I just hate relationship advice. Um, I just feel like people who give it, their stuff is crumbling behind the scenes. Like they have this, you know, IG picture perfect situation going on. Mm-hmm. But, you know, literally behind the scenes, that person may be, you know, a serial cheater mm-hmm. or you know, maybe abusing them behind the scenes or neglecting them altogether. And right. what they're showing you is not what, or what they're telling you you should have right. is not what is actually going on in their own lives. But I feel comfortable with it now. And now that I've come into this second book, I'm like, okay, all right. Mm. I I don't need to be, you know, intimidated or feel like I'm not qualified because that was my issue. And I had to get over that hump. Like I'm not qualified to help people recognize relationship red flags. And God is like, uh, but you are though. (laughs) Because look at what you've gone through. And it was just, uh, I feel like that was a difficulty in getting this second book out. But now this out, I fully embrace it. And it has helped so many people, even married people. Because it's not a book about, I'm not pushing the issue of leaving anyone. All I'm saying is listen to your intuition. And that is something that we often ignore in the name of love, our intuition. And even like the couples that have read my book are like, as little areas that we can tighten up and, you know, mm-hmm. clean up a bit. This book has helped us see that. And even single people are like, okay, this is helping me take preventative measures right. and whatnot. And I'm not saying go around being self-sabotaging and, oh, I don't like that he, you know, I don't like that he chews with his mouth open. <laughs> We're done. I'm over it. No, 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 no. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> 
it's not right. a petty, bitter book. Uh, I'm very much over the situation with my ex and I. You know, so it's not like that. And I'm pro marriage and I'm pro love and I absolutely still love love to this day. Mm-hmm. But um, it's just more about please listen to yourself. Mm-hmm. And even now, as I'm getting back onto the dating scene, I, I find myself taking my own advice mm-hmm. and, you know, finding, you know, pieces in my book, like, hey, what do you tell them? What do you right. tell people when they come to you? Right. You know, you have to listen to that, too. And just realizing how quickly we can get messed up in those beginning stages and then realizing later on down the line, I felt that. My eyebrow did go up in that situation, but now you're in three years later. Oh, maybe it's not that big of a deal. And then as the years go by, you're like, it is that big of a deal. Something that didn't sit well with you or that you did not address properly and you just blew it off to be in a relationship with a person. Right. So that's what the second book is about. This sort of ties nicely into um, actually my next question. And because I'm thinking about the fact, you know, we, it's officially summer. And, you know, people are sort of in that space in both spring and summer where they, you know, you're, you're more social, the weather is nicer, so you're out more, maybe you're even deciding to, um, to date more or to even, you know, just be amongst other people. And um, so for those folks who are sort of in that space um, where they are, or even taking summer vacations, I mean, just the whole thing around just sort of being hanging out more um, now that the weather um, is is tolerable. <laughs> That's to be debated depending uh-huh. on because uh, it's quite hot around here these days. But anyway, um, so any uh, any tips for those folks who are deciding to, to be more social and whether that means just hanging out with folks or even going into the dating scene? And I'm thinking particularly for entrepreneurs who spend so much time focused on nurturing their babies, i.e. their business, um, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, deciding to sort of take that risk of, of dating as well. So any, any tips for them as they sort of brave that, brave that scene? That is an amazing question. Well, thanks. And I'm so glad that you asked that. That was such a good one. And it's because I was literally reflecting on this, Mm. a couple of weeks ago mm-hmm. um because look i don't listen no judgment for anybody if you want to have your casual good time mm-hmm. you go do you in the right. manner that suits you that's not going to drive you crazy right mm-hmm. but when we are doing our god-given purpose work mm-hmm. whatever that may be for whoever whatever that looks like mm-hmm. i feel like and i'm just saying this maybe you know, because I'm in my 30s now. <laughs> mm-hmm. As I've gotten back out into the dating scene, my experience has been, okay, if I have like casual people, it just gets old so quickly mm-hmm. because when you're called to do something greater, mm-hmm. you, I, I am finding that it's not going to cut it. Mm-hmm. You know, just the casual social stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, are, how can you feed me? Mm-hmm. how can you feed me spiritually how can you feed me mentally and I feel like us as you know these business owners and we have these things that we're doing and that we're passionate about mm-hmm. whoever we're dealing with on whatever level has to reflect that in some way mm-hmm. um, just so you can stay balanced even though you're doing it to be social mm-hmm. and to kind of step away for a bit it's still good to have, you know, though whatever connections those are for you. 
yeah. that they can pour into that as well in some way and that you can pour into them mm. also because it helps replenish you in my opinion because I'm realizing just my interactions now have to be sacred mm. if that makes sense because that's a part of protecting my baby mm. because if I am dealing with and this kind of goes back to soul size even though like it's not that deep because we're just talking about being social and getting right. back, back out on the date, dating scene and whatnot mm-hmm. but it just goes back to okay is this someone because this is how we fall into those traps Mm-hmm. Is this somebody I could really see myself dealing with? And when you have something that you have been working on and cherishing, and, you know, and you're building this thing right. and you're maintaining it as well, mm-hmm. I just feel like those interactions are sacred. And that's what I'm learning. Like my tolerance for certain things um, is low now. I'm like, no, like you have to be about your stuff, whatever that is as well, to mm-hmm. even be around me. So, you even- know, to even be around me. So to be as as discerning with your time when it comes to dating as you are when it relates to how you handle your business matters. So is yeah. this person sort of in alignment with the things that I enjoy and appreciate? Um, yeah. Or are they a time waster? Is that sort of what? It, no, that's exactly what yeah. I'm saying because it can pull you down eventually mm-hmm. because if they are a lazy run, so to speak, mm-hmm. eventually that those behaviors and that mentality can pull you away mm. from what you've worked so hard for it mm-hmm. is what I feel. No matter how grounded you are, especially if you start catching feelings for this person, like, Oh, you know, I just have such a great time with them. I feel like I can breathe. But then you feel like, you know, it's just like that transference. Mm-hmm. Eventually, even if it's just like the dating, mm-hmm. eventually it starts to weigh on you a little bit. You want somebody that can breathe life into you Mm -hmm. and that you can do the same for them. So it really does truly feel like a break Mm -hmm. as you're getting back on the scene. And that's just what I'm finding. There has to be some, um, I guess you guys have to align in Mm -hmm. some way and not saying they have to be Mr. or Mrs. Right, you know, at this point, but just, just on the basic stuff, just so you're not pulled away Mm -hmm. from your bigger goals. Yeah, yeah. Someone who sort of is on the same page and same vibe as you. I get that. I get that. <laughs> I do. So, um, you know, sometimes we get into these spaces. So maybe somebody didn't take that advice, <laughs> and they and they just went for whoever was around. You know, in terms of like this is somebody I bump into a lot. So maybe it's worth hanging out with them. Um, and then they realize, you know, maybe that wasn't the best thing. And then we sort of enter into a place where those relationships dissolve, um, whether that's naturally or someone, you know, sort of exits their relationship. And, um, you know, this is something I don't really hear people talking a lot about. And that's sort of what it means to lose that type of relationship, to lose that connection, to, to manage heartbreak. And so how do, or from your perspective, how are people impacted by heartbreak oh man (laughs) i mean if some people are straight savages and they don't care (laughs) they're like all right bye and you know if you're emotional like me um it will take its toll 
Mm-hmm. And it will hit you pretty hard, but it goes, you know, it's a grieving process mm-hmm. to be honest. And, you know, I know you're aware of the five stages of grief and it hits you in different ways. Some people, it takes them years to get over a heartbreak mm-hmm. and others not so, you know, not so much. It just really depends on where they are. But in my situation of my marriage, um, I thought it was interesting because I made a discovery and found out my marriage is over last August. Mm. Um, and I was very, very angry mm-hmm. once I made the discovery and once we're having the discussions and, you know, because I was in a situation where I was emotionally neglected mm-hmm. and I could not understand why well, I'm like, you know, I'm a stay at home mom, you know, I, I'm a great, uh, I feel like I'm a great spouse, <laughs> you know, and mm-hmm. I try to be there for you. You know, I have us reading books, we've gone to counseling, just whatever we can do to make sure that we keep everything on track. But what I had to learn was you cannot do all that on your own. Like your partner has to do it with you and be a part of that process with you. So when everything was over and one of the things he said to me was, you were never asking for too much. It just sent me over the edge because for years I had been begging for just let me be in your bubble. I feel like you don't like me. Mm-hmm. I feel like, you know, I'm at 80, you're at 20. Mm-hmm. I just, I just feel like we're roommates. And I've been saying this for years and I, it got to a point where I thought I was crazy. Mm-hmm. Because I was like, and he keeps saying, no, babe, I love you. Like everything's fine. You're, you're overthinking, you're emotional, just all those things they'll tell us to talk right. us out of whatever and I was like no I just feel like there's a barrier there I feel like your guard is there mind you we were together seven years Uh at this point and any once I found out what was the nail in the coffin for our marriage last year and he said to me you were never asking for too much Uh I went through a bout of anger and I had to get into counseling Uh I was even suicidal at one point Uh to which I called the suicide hotline and I just want people to know it absolutely worked Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and they were just able to talk me down from that whirlwind of emotion. So if you are in any way feeling like this is it, this is over for me, please, please, please call the suicide hotline and um, don't be ashamed to do so. Right. But after I had that, I did get into counseling mm-hmm. because I said, you know what? I need to be here for my children. Absolutely. Like I thought I was going to wake up out of my sleep and stab him to death. And sometimes people have those emotions too mm-hmm. with heartbreak, depending on what caused it. And I was like, girl, you need to go to counseling. Right. And you need to rein it back in. You know better. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. And um, I was in counseling for about two and a half months consistently. Mm-hmm. And my counselor even made it to where we were having FaceTime sessions. Mm-hmm. Like I was like, it would be convenient for me if we could just, do these sessions via FaceTime. So I don't have to leave the house. I can put my daughter down for a nap. Like you, you can get the help that you need if you really, really, really want to. Because I often hear a lot of people make excuses about that because a part of moving on from the heartbreak and feeling all of those feelings associated with it, sometimes it's going to take a little bit more than just talking to your girlfriend Mm -hmm. or your family members or your loved ones. You're going to have to step it up and probably go into therapy to which there should be no shame about that because that's a part of, taking care of you and doing what's best for you mentally and emotionally so that you can heal properly. And so that you don't take these things into your next relationship or just take these things with you period mm-hmm. for you so that you can be free from it. But um, my heartbreak was a little strange because after going with it through the anger, 
And then I ended up going on a tour right after. And it was kind of like I was pouring myself into building my brand mm. and, you know, starting writing this book. Because God was like, oh, it's time now. This is what it was about. Surprise. Wow. It's about relationship issues. And just starting to write um, the book that just came out. And then I was like, it was like in December. I was like, I actually feel okay now. And mm-hmm. that was only a few months from August to December. And I'm like, how God over it. Mm-hmm. And then he showed me, he said, you have been grieving your marriage for years now. Wow. This is just, do you get what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. when, when it's, okay, how do we get through the heartbreak process? Sometimes when we're going through so much with the person that we're with, we're, we don't even realize that subconsciously we're already going through the grieving process, the mm-hmm. letting go process, mm-hmm. even realizing and we're detaching ourselves. And so that heartbreak way of constantly going, you know, not getting what you need and begging for it, for example. Right. And you've been doing that for years. You've been doing that for years. That's, that's slowly, you know, removing energy from your emotional battery with this person. And then once mm-hmm. everything hits the fan, it kind of makes it like, well, this has been a long time coming here. Mm-hmm. Or others, it can be super abrupt and it catches them completely off guard. Mm-hmm. And they are left with feeling those feelings and trying to sort through how did this happen? How did we get here? What did I do to deserve this? And a lot of times people turn inward mm-hmm. um, with heartbreak. They immediately blame themselves. Mm-hmm. And of course, we can be accountable and we can hold ourselves to, okay, what did I do? What is the part that I play here? Right. But it's best not to beat yourself up as you're going through your healing process. And as you're going through the hurt and the pain of losing the person that you love, don't beat yourself up. Oh, it's something I did. I'm not pretty enough. Oh, my body isn't, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, snatched enough for this person. I'm not smart enough. Oh, I'm not making enough money, you know, to satisfy them or whatever the case, whatever the thing is. I just want people not to turn it onto themselves. Right. You're right. Um, so. Particularly if you're, you're in the experience where you, uh, I mean, I just like the way that you talked about how um, as things change in a relationship, um, sometimes the grieving has already started. Um, you start to make mm. accommodations for things that are changing that weren't like they used to be. And, um, mm-hmm. and so that you made such an excellent point with that. And you're right. Um, you know, the relationship ending is the combination of two people. And so to take the full responsibility of, of it ending, it just isn't fair. It isn't fair to you or to your partner uh, that they be absolved mm-hmm. of all responsibility um, from it. And so I also appreciate you, you know, talking about the fact that you, there were moments that were really painful and really hard that you reached out to mm-hmm. the suicide hotline and um, even sought out counseling. And um, cause I, I think my assumption is, the you know counseling or the the idea of going to therapy i i don't know if it's just because of the circle i'm in and that might be part of it but that's starting to be more a part of like everyday conversation or people are bringing it up in interviews or it's on shows mm-hmm. and that sort of thing so it seems a little less foreign um but for some people that's still you know kind of scary like going from a situation where I go beyond my friends, the people that I know and I can trust to go in and sit with a stranger. So in your process, how did you identify who you were going to work with? How did that happen? How did you get into services? As in finding the right therapist? Yeah, and, and finding the right therapist, yeah. 
honestly, my a lot of stuff I do is just spiritual. Mm-hmm. So I'll just pray. It's funny. I'm actually having a conversation with a therapist on Thursday about praying about it versus getting therapy yeah. on this week, which I just thought was an important conversation because like a lot of the people that you know, and even the people in my circle, it's, it's normal and it's natural. But I also talk to people often who are like, oh, I'm not ready to go there yet. Mm-hmm. But they're walking around hurting, mm-hmm. experiencing a dark cloud over them. I'm like, just go to counseling. I will help you. As the junior insurance information, let me find it for, you know, and it's mm-hmm. like, some people are so afraid of what will come up and what they will have to face that it terrifies them and they walk away from it or just what they've been taught growing up, which is probably some things that, you know, a lot of us have heard. Oh, you know, if you go to California, you're crazy. Some people still carry that with them and it creates a shame before they even get in the door. Right. And whatnot. So I may, I try to make it a point to let people know. Um, yeah, I get it. I went to counseling. I've gone to counseling before then, and I will go again. Mm-hmm. Whenever I feel I need a mm-hmm. tune-up, with, with without any shame whatsoever, because like you said, it is becoming less foreign. But mm-hmm. there are still people out there who, you know. Oh yeah. Now nah, oh, I'm yeah. good. Right. Now nah, I'm good. No, you're not good, boo. Right. You go <laughs> peel back those layers and get the help that you need. But um. Yeah. How I find my counselors, like I just pray as I am going through the list. Uh, I just go through my, what is it, the in-network okay, therapists okay. that are available. Yeah, yeah. Um, through my insurance, even though I know that some work on a sliding scale and, mm-hmm. you know, whatever your situation is, because I hear this excuse a lot too. Like people are like, oh, I don't have the money or I don't have insurance. They work on a sliding. There are therapists out there that work on a sliding scale. Mm-hmm. There are some that are, um, that do stuff for free uh-huh. depending on what organizations you go through in your local area. So the help is out there, but my right. process is looking through um, my insurance and who's in network. And I will literally pray. And I said, Lord, whoever you want me to see, uh-huh. make the process of elim- elimination real quick. Uh-huh. And so I'll leave messages for some and I won't ever hear back. Uh-huh. And some of the ones that call me back, if we just have a little chat on the phone, right. and if I don't feel the vibe is there, or that they will understand me and my issues specifically, uh-huh. then I don't move forward. And I also make sure whatever it is, um, like when my ex-husband and I, when we went to counseling together, I made sure to look up marriage uh-huh. um, and family therapist. Uh-huh. For this particular one, I made sure that she dealt with certain issues that I knew were coming up okay. um, as a result of my marriage ending. So I look for what are their specific areas Uh (laughs) because that's important because i'm not going to go to um a drug counselor Uh when i'm dealing with issues of my divorce Uh that's not what their specialty is so i pick one based on whatever my need is at that time Uh and based on the vibe and i let god lead me in the process and it works every time i always end up with a counselor that's perfect and i you know like my cousins or any family members or my loved ones I've just told them to do the same. That's mm-hmm. how we all pick our therapist. Well, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Yeah, I think some people are new to the idea that you can find your therapist through your health insurance. Um, and so that's mm-hmm. not something that's like heavily advertised. And so um, I appreciate you um, sharing that piece. And for some companies, um, they'll even 
have an EAP program, so an employee yes. program. Yeah, I actually used that for my first four sessions. See? Yeah, yeah. So those are free of charge. I mean, you're paying for it through your health insurance, but you don't pay any copay of any kind, and that's a that's a nice little way mm-hmm. to get an introduction um, to someone. Yeah, and they'll usually authorize a few sessions. Um, but it is very much like just checking to see if this is going to be a good match on all fronts in terms of their level of expertise, even their times that they're available, what the vibe feels like. Um, it is a lot of elements in the room. And so, um, I appreciate you talking about that. I really do. So, um, so all these things that you do. So in terms of being, um, an author, um, a motivational speaker. Um, I mean, you just wear a lot of hats. And so, and it sounds like you're a type of person that people sort of naturally gravitate towards. So I imagine you hear a lot about people who are, you know, moving through their journey or working through pain or all sorts of things. And so for you as the entrepreneur, how do you manage taking a time out? How do you manage? Because summer is really on my brain. And so how do you manage taking a time out pausing to you know go take a vacation or even if it's a staycation whatever how do you create space for that how do you manage that whole piece oh that's an excellent question you know me and my baby eve mm-hmm. hey dr eve Yay. um <laughs> we it's so funny because i think she's been on her business journey for like three years mm-hmm. and i might maybe a year off from her but we, when we have our powwows, we just have to release and, okay, step back. A lot of people burn themselves out by feeling like they have to be on mm-hmm. constantly. Mm-hmm. And it's okay if you don't feel like posting today. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that it, uh, being inconsistent or lazy way. No, mm-hmm. but like last week, my energy was low last week and I only had energy for certain things that were absolutely mandatory but like even my social media posting I said you know what I don't have to post if I don't want to this week because I'm tired and I'm draining it was leading up to my sister's uh bridal weekend this weekend and we all all of us we needed that vacation because everybody had so much stuff going on behind the scenes and we all just needed that reset so it's like being intentional about when you're going to reset Uh knowing that those moments where you're starting to feel extremely drained, Uh it's okay to step back. The the world will not end. Your business will not die. Uh If you take a minute to breathe, I promise you. If you don't make that post on social media, if you postpone that call, if you reschedule that meeting, that is okay. Because don't you want to give your best Uh 100%? Uh-huh. going into whatever it is that you're doing. You don't want to go into it like, and you feel like one more thing and I'm just going to be laid out <laughs> over right. here. Right. Now listen to yourself. Listen to what your, your spirit and your mind and your heart is telling you. Like, man, I just need to breathe today. Okay. Today is going to be my day to just do nothing. Uh-huh. Or, or if you can't do cold turkey. And I know like it took me a minute to get to the point where I can do that. Okay. I'll answer the emails tomorrow. I'm going to make sure they're all, you know, un- unread to make sure I don't forget it. But I'm going to do this later yeah. just to breathe. Even if breathing looks like me spending time with my children and giving them, you know, my undivided attention for several hours. Or if that means me taking a nap 
or getting my nails and toes done. I feel like it's just all about making sure that self-care is at the top of your to-do list Mm -hmm. at all times Mm -hmm. so that you don't get burnt out because there was a time where I wasn't doing that and I felt like I just had to be doing something or, you know, I just had to be busy, um, in my mind, busy to be making progress. But you know, is what you're doing productive <laughs> to what mm-hmm. what it is that you're doing? Because one thing is just be busy, just be busy, but is it productive to what you're doing? And then also, okay, have I taken time out for myself? Or if you're the person that needs a schedule, okay, Mondays are my self-care days. Mm-hmm. Mondays are the day where I do nothing. I don't, I don't set up anything. I don't talk to nobody. And I just chill and I go to the gym, whatever that is for you. self-care is whatever you know it looks like for you and I feel like in order to not be burned out you have to have a self-care regimen and it has to be important it cannot be at the bottom of the list because that defeats the purpose because you're going to be burnt out by the time you need to to be maintaining a healthy state at all times what is self-care to you have you been wanting to work out and not I mean whatever that looks like have you been wanting to read more books Mm-hmm. Okay, well, I'm going to make sure that I have two books read per month. That's a part of my self-care. Mm-hmm. Or spiritually, do you feel like you're not censored? What is it that you need to do to get back into alignment spiritually? Whatever that is, it needs to be at the top of your priority list. And I feel like that's how you prevent from being burnout by putting yourself first. That's awesome. Now, is that something that you sort of knew from the very beginning of being an entrepreneur or this is something you picked up along the way? Uh, That's something I picked up along the way Mm -hmm. Um, because, and I had to learn it and that's why I brought up Eve. Mm -hmm. We've had many conversations where we've had to grow, where we have grown together Mm -hmm. in this whole journey and process. She's like my business buddy. And um, we used to feel like, oh, yeah, to do this we have to do that we have to do this we have and now it's like no nah, i ain't doing that today i'm good <laughs> and every time I'm like you know and now it's become a thing but where that originated from is our upbringing mm. and i mean for us specifically i know everybody's reason for doing things is different but by not having um a lot growing up mm-hmm. or things being on our shoulders mm-hmm. um even at, at a young age, we were taught, oh, you got it. You're good. You're good. And it created these beautiful, strong Black women. Mm-hmm. But it also created this idea in our minds that we always have to be doing something. We always have to be fixing something. Right. We always have to be doing something because if we're not on, you know, then we're not good enough. Mm-hmm. You know, or if we're not on, then we're not, you know... We're, we're, we're slacking, we're falling behind, you know what I mean? We're not where we need to be. We're not this, we're not that. So if we're not doing something, it, it, it means that we are in some way diminished and we had to get out of that mindset, but that came from upbringing, mm-hmm. honestly. And um, we had to undo that way of thinking and be, being. And I realized um, that a lot of black women feel that way. And I'm, and I'm saying women, I know men may go through it, as well but you know because I talk to a lot of women all the time they feel that weight on their shoulders to just always be doing something and to not take that break and it goes right. to the the conversation of just the strong women yeah. and the weak men because we were kind of we were brought up 
with, oh, girl, you good, you good, you good. Because, again, going back to generational stuff, uh-huh. you know, that's how mom was. That's how great grandma was, you know, and so uh-huh. forth and so on. The women were taught to carry it all on their backs. And I know I've seen a meme that said black women everywhere. F it, I'll do it. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, uh-huh. and that's exactly what it feels like. So it's like, when do I get my break? Right. When do I get my breather? And right. it's like, no, you have to force it and make it happen yeah. because it's important, you know? And, it, and so That's many of us right. are dying really young. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. in the past two weeks, no kidding, I've heard about five women in their 30s. And to me, that's a lot. That's, dying of yeah. breast cancer. Just yeah. stuff like that. I'm just like, in your 30s? Are you kidding me? Mm-hmm. Like that, And it, they were all Black women, and that's scary to me. Right. You know, like, what, what can we do to take care of ourselves better? What can we do, you know? To that not is, right. put ourselves under so much stress and things right. like that. I know there are other factors since those are cancers, but it's, it's just still like we we got to take care of ourselves and stop killing ourselves to be on all right. the time. The things right. will be there. You know, there's always another day and there's no need to stress ourselves out. We come first. How are we going to give um, what we're supposed to through our businesses and our callings and our purpose work? Mm-hmm. If we're not even at a hundred percent, we got to be at a, right. you know, more than a hundred percent in order to give. Right. I, so. I couldn't agree more with what you're saying. I think, you know, when it comes to this idea of like taking a pause or even taking time out, um, I think some of us are walking around thinking that there'll be sort of a natural time to do it. And because, you know, we sort of grow up in the school atmosphere where there are literal breaks. Uh, there is a summer yeah. break, there's a winter break. But once you sort of get out there and uh, you're in the workforce or building your business, um, there is none. Uh, you have to sort of schedule it just like you schedule every other thing because um, it's, there will never be a point where people around you and say, you know what, go take a vacation. As long as you're there working, mm-hmm. willing to produce, people are going to always have that expectation of you. And so um, in order to make those things happen, you have to be the one to sort of initiate that process. So um, you're right. I appreciate uh, your perspective on that. And there will literally always be something to do. Uh, there will always be a task that needs to be completed. And um, mm-hmm. you just have to make the decision that it's, it's time to take a stop for right now. So yep. that was great. I really appreciate that. Oh, my goodness. Okay. Can I say one thing really, really, really quick? Sure. Even those who are working, because I have a day job, too, at this mm-hmm. time. Even those who have, like, your regular nine to five, mm-hmm. um, don't, don't kill yourself at your job. It's okay right. to be an excellent employee, mm-hmm. but just know if you die, they're going to replace you within a week. Mm-hmm. So you might as well, you know, take your days mm-hmm. as you need to, you know, responsibly, of course, but take the time that you need for yourself and don't feel guilty about it. Cause I also know people that work day jobs and they feel guilty about taking time off. Right. It's like, um, nah, they will replace. I always keep in my mind, they will replace. If I die, I'll be replaced within a week, honey. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And they will then, the, and the show will go on regardless. So right. They, right. Keep that in mind too. I, I, I agree with that too. Yeah, you're right. You will be replaced. And then also, if you are not taking the time, then you just become resentful of what's happening. So <laughs> even yep. if you're having a good time or enjoying your yep. work, you feel like they are working me to death. Um, and they will. They will continue. As long as you show up, they will continue to get Whatever you allow, they're going to do it. Right, <laughs> right. So it makes sense to take the time that you're given, the, you know, the benefit that you have of 
even if it just means a day for a mental health day, yeah, I would, I would encourage that as well. So you're absolutely spot on with that. Um, yeah. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Okay. I feel like, <laughs> I feel like this has been a great combo. Um, and before we wrap up, um, I just want to ask one question. Uh, and that is what does minding my black business mean to you? You know what? Honestly, oh, why am I getting emotional? Minding my black business means to me, how is my work, how is what I'm doing feeding my community? Mm. And when I keep that question in mind, it's funny um, because I've had people in the past say that you need to, because my focus is black women. Mm-hmm. and then black people as a whole but black women specifically for the reasons that i said earlier like we carry a lot on our shoulders and there's so much healing that needs to be done because of the generational stuff like stuff from slavery that we have not dealt with you know that was in the mindsets that were passed down and we all if we could all just go to counseling like all of us and just get it together i feel like the healing piece is a huge part of what's needed in our community period and um someone has asked me before like you should make your stuff inclusive and people of all backgrounds read my books mm. and there's nothing wrong with that and I'm, and I'm not saying my books are only for black people. No, no 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 right but i feel like and god has even told me when people say oh you should you know be more inclusive you should you know whatever and god will be like nah this is for y'all mm-hmm this is for y'all. And now I don't waver on that, you know, because some people feel like, well, if you don't include everyone in your audience, then how are you going to blow up? How are you going to do this? You know, and although positive global exposure and all that stuff, those are my ultimate goals. I mean, my, at the heart of all of it, my goal is to make sure that people are getting the healing that they need no matter what scale that is on, that they know that they're not alone, that they know that they can get through whatever it is that they're going through and move forward in a healthy way and be in peace and not stay stuck where they are. So minding my black business is really minding the business of the people around me, my people mm. in the black community. That's what minding my black business is. Um, not be concerned about one person dimming the other person's light, but how big can we make this light together? Yeah. That's what my minding my black business is about. And that's what my books are for. You know, that's what speaking life, you know, because I feel like even though we all have different upbringings, some people had peaceful and amazing childhoods, which is great. Mm-hmm. But many of us didn't. Yeah. You know, and for those that didn't, it's about undoing mm-hmm. that trauma or even the ones that did have a great upbringing. There may have still been something there, you know, that caused like a pressure to right. be perfect, whatever it is. Right. It's just giving people the tools to get unstuck, mm. specifically in our community, and that's my business. Mm. So, all right now, okay, <laughs> that's fantastic. <laughs> that's so fantastic. Oh my goodness, that is a perfect way to sort of end this episode. Um, thank you, Debbie, for joining us. This has been so fun and a pleasure. So, thank you for joining the Minding My Black Business podcast. Man, I am beyond grateful and humbled to be here. Just thank you for having me. I do not take it lightly. I appreciate our time together. It has been great. Just thank you.
so very much. I really appreciate it. So if you want to know more and you like what you heard, don't forget to like, subscribe, and comment on the podcast. Also, follow the movement on our website, MindingMyBlackBusiness.com, and on our Facebook and Instagram pages under Minding My Black Business, and on Twitter under Minding My Black Biz. So peace and blessings to us all, family. And when you're out there and they ask you what you're doing, let them know that you're minding my black business.